hold you too long. Yeah, right. Uh, <clears throat> I've said that before. Preached the longest message I've ever preached. Uh, but uh, my intent is so folks can get home, get back to church. Those who come back for the Buddy's Memorial Funeral Service. Uh, turn, if you would, to Philippians chapter 3. I think I'm going to start with about verse 10. Verse 12 is my text, but I think I'll start reading in verse 10. I want to talk to you this morning about perfection. Uh, I was thinking this morning early that uh, in my opinion my wife is perfect. You know? My wife is perfect. And and I am, she thinks I am too. Right, Jenny? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll change my message. And, uh, <laughs> I want to talk about perfection for a little bit. And uh, there's three different levels of perfection. Uh, we will achieve perfection one day. We already have achieved perfection in one way. And uh, we'll see this this morning through Scripture as we go. As I've told you before, verse 10 is my life's verse. Years ago, I was reading through the Bible and looking for a scripture that that I could claim as mine. You can have it too if you like, but I just claim it as mine. Something out of all these verses of scripture, <clears throat> out of all the 66 books in the Bible, out of all of these words that are printed, <clears throat> out of all the verses that are there, I was asking God for one for me. And I was reading it with that intention as I read through the Bible. Many of them stuck out to me, but this one really grabbed hold of me because it was my heart's desire more than anything else, it was my heart's desire. Verse 3, that I may know Him. Verse 10, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering, being made conformable unto His death. Because at that particular time in my life, I was a young preacher, or maybe just beginning to preach, um, I one of the things that I did 
Back then, before I would announce my call to preach, I read through the Bible. And as God was dealing with me, I purposed to read through the Bible. To, that I could find something in there that might stick out to me. I, I, I know a fellow, Harold Stevens, a friend of ours that I've told you all about before. Many people would go witness to him and talk to him about the Lord. His wife was a Christian and and, uh, and I remember going up on one Monday night and visiting Harold with some other guys and, and he just flat out told us, he said, I want to get saved. But before I get saved, I'm reading through the New Testament. And one of the guys said, well, Harold, why? You, don't, you won't understand what you're reading. And he said, it doesn't matter. I'm reading through the New Testament. And I've asked God, if God, if you're real, you want me, you want me to be saved, show me something in your Bible. He'd heard preaching all of his life, no doubt. Heard uh, the story. I know he'd heard the gospel a number of times because of what we had done and others had done as far as witnessing to him. And... You can talk to you were blue in the face to Harold. He'd say, no, I'm not done reading yet. And when he read the New Testament, he came to church, came to the altar, and gave his heart to Jesus Christ. In fact, I really believe he was saved at home when he finished reading the New Testament. There's something there that stimulates us to be better than what we were. There's something there that motivates us. Why would we want to know Christ? Why would we want to get to know Him better? Because in all reality, the better we get to know Him, the worse we are. The more I know about Him, the more I reveal about myself and I find that I'm really in bad shape. Because life reveals things to us. God is light. Jesus Christ is light. And so Paul in writing to the Philippian people here was, here this guy was uh, a tormentor of Christians at one point in his life, a man who believed in God and did not believe in Jesus Christ, and he comes down to this point to where he says, my desire is to know Christ. My heart's desire is to know Jesus Christ. And to not just know Jesus Christ, but to become like Christ. To be made conformable to his life and to his death. Then he goes on, by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. He said, if I can just get to that point, and if I can understand that point, if I can reach that kind of perfection, if I can reach that level in my life. And Paul says in verse 12, and this is my text. Not as though I had already attained, 
either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Jesus Christ. Not that I'm already perfect, not as though I had already attained that, not as though that I've already become perfect, but I follow after that, I search for that, I long for that. The word perfect in the Bible, as it's used in God's word, doesn't refer to any kind of idea as far as sinless perfection is concerned. It doesn't teach us of sinless perfection, but it teaches us something else. It has a greater meaning. In fact, there are about three different Greek words that would describe perfection in God's word. There's even some Hebrew words that would describe perfection there. That, and I'm not going to get into that because I, I told you all I wouldn't keep you long. But how about that we find that there's some, there's some deeper meanings here that because we know that we're not perfect, right? Amen? Come on, I'm going to start pointing out a few of you and we'll know that for certain. We know that we're not perfect. The writer here realized that he was not perfect, but yet there is a part of this as God's word would teach us that that there is a possibility of perfection in our lives. There's there's positional perfection that that was already possessed for us uh, as believers and as people that are saved. Now, now you got to keep it straight for those people that are saved, those people that are truly saved, those people that have been born again, those people that have trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. There's a bunch of people out here running around that have a head knowledge of God but not a heart knowledge of Him. There's a bunch of people out here running around that they got it going on in their head but not in their life. And so if you would turn with me over to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14. Chapter 10 verse 14. This is a, a tremendous, tremendous verse of Scripture and I could take you to more but I'm not going to this morning again for time's sake but in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 14 for by one offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified now what that means is by Jesus Christ dying on the cross of Calvary by one offering he has perfected everybody forever that have trusted him as their personal savior that he has perfected those individuals by one offering. Jesus died on the cross. The what power there is in that. That Jesus Christ, the Son of God, hung on a tree on God's heel. Uh, and that uh, I would love to, one of these days, my, my oldest daughter and her husband is leading a group over to Israel. I believe it's in March. April, May, March. See, I told you she's perfect. But in March, and they want Jenny and I to go, and uh, never been to the Holy Land other than through the Word. 
and and Jenny, they want Jenny and I to go, and and what better yet, they're willing to pay our way, but we're not going. Uh, and so, but it wouldn't it be nice to be able to go over there and go up on the place that where they say that Jesus uh, hung uh, there on Golgotha's hill or the place of the skull, and be able to stand there and understand and realize that Jesus hung there one day and his blood ran down the cross and over the ground and the people were around. What? Whoa, boy, wouldn't that, I would shout if I did that. But wouldn't that be awesome to be able, but the power of just being able to understand what this is talking about, what, he, what the writer of Hebrews is saying, by one offering, by Jesus dying on the cross, has perfected all of those that trust him as their personal savior. And what that is saying is, is that you and I stand before God today perfect before him. Just as though we had never sinned. You've heard me say that over and over and over. And I'm going to keep saying it till all of you get it one of these days. The blood of Jesus Christ is powerful enough to cleanse you from all sin. Not some sin. Not part of your sin. But every bit of your sin. Glory to God. Somebody ought to wave a hanky over that one. Because some of you are sinners. And I know that for a fact. Because I'm one. And all of my sins are gone. They've been forgiven. They've been forgotten. They've been washed washed away, cast as far as the east is from the west, never to be brought up before, cast into the sea of forgetfulness. And I like to add to this, God puts up a sign, no fishing. You're not allowed to go back there no longer. They're cast away. My sins are forgiven. My sins are washed away. My sins are gone. My past is gone. I can forget about my past. In fact, I'm going to read a scripture here in a little bit where Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind and pressing toward those things which are in front of us. We keep beating ourselves up over the past, but God doesn't. What sins are you talking about? Glory to God, he's washed them away. That what we see as far as positional perfection, we stand before God perfect today. I know that's hard to grasp. I know that's difficult to understand. But Lord, if we get that grip in our life and if we understand that, that we stand before God perfect. I was never set free so much as I was when I realized that, that I did not have to worry about my sin any longer. And I was one when I was first saved Growing up, and I hear those stories about how if you if you told a lie, you was dying going to hell after you got saved. Well, we wouldn't be one of us in here, would there? Amen, preacher. Go ahead. That's it. <laughs> if we thought that thought, we we died going to hell. We had to get saved all over again. If we said a bad word. How many of you got saved this week, huh? 
How many of you got saved this week by thinking about God? How many of you got saved this week by, yeah, put your hand down, Terry. You, we, we've, all, we've all had to confess our sin. We've all had to get right with God. But you don't get saved over and over and over and over and over again. Because when you, when you trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, one sacrifice forever hath perfected all of those that he sanctified, that he set apart. What am I talking about? When I went to an old-fashioned altar of prayer and I confessed Christ as my Savior, he grabbed me up spiritually speaking and brought me out of the... I'm about to get happy. Out of the sins that I was in, and he placed my foot up on a solid rock, and that rock is Jesus Christ. Positionally, he took me out of sin and placed me into perfection. He took me out of death and placed me into life. He took me out of hell and put me into heaven. Glory to God. I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. I'm so saved, it's pitiful, I want to tell you. I know that I'm saved. My salvation's not based upon what I do or what I think or where I go. My salvation's based upon what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary for me and my faith is in him. Jesus Christ's robe of righteousness has been placed on my back, has been placed on my shoulders. His righteousness has been imputed to my life and I'm no longer accountable for my sin. Glory to God. Position A. Are you about to get it? I wish y'all were going to get it so I could go to the next point. Positionally, I'm a child of God. I'm perfect in well, I like the royal family. Isn't that something that's going on? Huh? Paul, what's his name? Harry. Oh, yeah. Scary to me. Uh, Paul Harry, he don't want to be part of the royal family no more. Uh, I'm in the family of God. Mm, I'm in the family of God. I'm one of God's children positionally. I stand before him. Whole. Positionally, I stand before him forgiven. Positionally, I stand before him as one of his children. And I can't do a thing about that. And some of us, some people may be watching this say, oh yes, you can, preacher. No, you can't, preacher. If I could do anything about getting saved, then I could do anything about getting unsaved. But I couldn't do anything about getting saved because he did it all. If I could do something about uh, washing away my sins, then I could do something about bringing them back. And I didn't do that. He did. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing can change my status before God. Nothing can do anything about that positionally. I'm saved. I already possess everything that God wants me to possess. I already possess possess perfection before Him. Positionally, you cannot change that. But then there's relative perfection. 
that is talking about spiritual maturity. Now I can tell by looking at all of us, we're not where we need to be. Spiritual. Hmm? We're not where we need to be. Spiritual. Relative perfection is spiritual perfection. Philippians 3.15, look at it if you will. Let us therefore as many as be perfect, and what the Greek here is, spiritually perfect, spiritually mature, be thus minded. And if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even unto this unto you. Relative perfection is, let me just ask you, and be honest, because we're all, it's like thieves. We're all thieves here. We're all sinners saved by grace. Now I hope everybody here is saved, but how many of you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you are not spiritually where you want to be? Now, I didn't. Uh, come on now. Yeah. I see some hands not up. You either lost or you're lying. So what did it? So relative perfection is Paul said here in the writing that I'm not got there yet. I'm not spiritually where I want to be. But relative perfection is progressive. When we get saved, we don't start out as spiritual as I am. Uh, we don't start out as spiritual as the other You know, when I was growing up, I saw people in my church that I thought, well, we, when I grow up, I'll be just like them. Or when I grow up and learned about them, I didn't want to be like them no longer. You know, because I, I placed them on a pedestal. And there was people that I thought, wow, they're spiritual. Come find out they weren't near as spiritual as I thought they were. They were acting like it in church, but they really weren't that spiritual. But And I realized that Relative uh, perfection is something that we grow into, uh, that we get in. Paul said, if you're going to be spiritually mature, be thus minded, because if you're any other way, he'll reveal it to you. And that's a wonderful thing, because as we go through this life, as we are growing in Christ through this life, as we make mistakes in this life, as we make decisions that may not be very spiritual decisions that we've not asked God about or we've not trusted God about or we've not prayed about first of all. And then God says, I know you made a mistake. See, you didn't ask me. I would have told you that it should be different than that. Then God revealed that to us. And as we grow and as we grow and as we grow, we find that in this relative perfection and that we start growing spiritually that, uh, that as far as we, we don't understand all the time the will of God in our lives. We, we search for the will of God. I could ask you for a raise of hands again. We're just being honest with each other this morning. Now, how many of you understand the will of God for your life? Raise your hand. If you've got it all figured out and you know the will of God for your life, raise your hand. 
No, none of us raised our hand. But right now, I can tell you that the will of God for me is being right here in this pulpit preaching this message. But other than that, I search for it every day of trying to find God's will for my life. Every day. God's will for your life today is you're right here sitting in this congregation hearing this message. God wanted you to hear this message. If God wanted somebody else to hear it, he would have brought them here. He would have got them up this morning and brought them here. If God wanted somebody else to hear it, God's going to let a lot of people hear it by social media that people will hear this message. God's will for your life. I know what God's will for all of our lives is, as that God is willing that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's willing that all of us receive His Son, Jesus Christ, as their personal Savior. God's will for our life is that we become like Jesus Christ. But then other than that, we're always searching for God's will. Relative perfection is learning how to love like Christ loved. Learning how to care for people like Jesus cared for people. Relative perfection is growing in those graces of love and peace and and forgiveness and, and long-suffering, a lot of these things are, are relative perfection is that we learn to love each other more. In fact, there's some of us here that are still learning to love each other. And I don't mean, some people make it very difficult to love. Anthony, I'm doing my best, brother. But sometimes it's very difficult, but we grow in that grace. We grow in that relative perfection. Holiness might be one. In fact, the Bible talks about that, that in, I believe it's in James chapter 4, uh, or chapter 1, excuse me, that we grow in good works. That we learn to do more good works in God. That we, we grow in every good work that we perform. That, that relative perfection is, is a thing that it comes on us. It's achieved, it's achieved by, by progressiveness. Uh, it's a purity that we come to. Uh, it's perfecting holiness in our lives. It is... It is doing other things as well, but it's, it's a, we accomplish uh, spiritual or relative perfection through the gifts that God gives us. In fact, I, I try my best to be a, as good a preacher as I possibly can, but one of these days, right before I die, I'm going to be a good preacher. Because I'm still practicing and I, I'm, I hope I'm getting better at it. I hope, well, I sure hope I'm not getting worse. But I hope I'm getting better at it. I, I hope I become a better pastor. I hope I become a better husband. I hope I become a better father. I hope I become a better Christian. I hope I become 
better than everything by the gifts that God gives to me. And according to those gifts that are bestowed upon me, in fact, the Bible says in Ephesians 4.12, for the perfecting of the saints. For the relative perfection of the saints that, that we grow as Christians. Why do preachers preach what they preach? So we'll all get better. So we'll all get closer to God. So we'll all become better Christians. So we'll all lay aside those things that beset us and those things that uh, hinder us, that we become more and more like Jesus Christ as we live. And then there's ultimate perfection. And I'm trying to hurry. The perfection of the soul. The ultimate perfection. The, the, the perfection that one day that we're going to go to heaven. It's for the, the spirit and the soul and the body. Ultimate perfection. One of these days when we get to heaven, one of these days when we're taken out of here, that we will see, uh, look at verse 12 if you would again, that, that I could look there and read again. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after them. If that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended for Christ Jesus. That, that he realizes here that, that the time coming at verse 11, if you would, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, ultimate perfection will come when I'm gone. When I leave this world. When I'm gone. I'm not sure what I'm going to say yet this afternoon at Buddy's funeral. And other people, as I sit by the side of Christians that are dying, there's a Bob standing beside Bob the day before, the evening before he passed away. I was standing there beside a buddy the other day, a day or so before he passed away. And I always think about things that are taking place. Um, buddy was by no means a perfect individual. You all know Buddy better than I know Buddy. Bob was not a perfect individual. None of us are. But at that moment in our lives, Mildred will remember, I'm sure. I said, Mildred, if we could only see what's taking place in this room right now, in the spiritual realm. Remember that? If we could only See the angels that are gathered. If we could only see 
things that are taking place, the preparations that are being made for perfection. Jason died. You see, you can't go to heaven until you're perfect. The ultimate perfection for the soul and the spirit is the moment of death. It's that very moment when all things are made perfect. Paul said that I may attain to that. I never forget Madeline Hanna. And others, but Madeline especially. When she was dying just a few hours before she died, I was there along with her husband and son, one of her sons. And I was thinking, I wish I could see what she was seeing. Because she was trying to tell us some things that she was seeing. The ministering angels that were attending to her, caring for her. If Mildred remember, I prayed and said, and my prayer said, to the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. And I asked Madeline Hannah there in Charleston Hospital in Charleston, West Virginia. I said, Madeline, you've seen a lot of things, but can I ask you real quickly, have you seen Jesus yet? She rolled her head over and opened her eyes to me. Looked at me and she said, Oh, preacher, he's been with me for some time now. I can't wait to be perfect. I can't wait to see what others have seen. I can't wait to experience what others have experienced. I stand before him perfect. I'm living my life relatively to become as perfect as possible. Think back just for a moment and if you remember me saying since I've been here that when God comes to get me, I don't want him to have to change me a whole lot in order for me to go to heaven. That's relative perfection. But when I die, I'll be changed and made perfect. You don't like what you see? Deal with it. One of these days will be perfect. We look at each other and we point out imperfections. We point out negativity. We point out failures. But there's none of us. None of us that have attained to the resurrection yet. But we will.
with a Christian. Nothing short of moral perfection of God. And it's the absolute standard of conduct to please God. I worked with a fellow one time, and I think I've told you all this story. He was a preacher. And I won't tell you the whole story. But he told me that he hadn't sinned in 18 years since he got saved. I said, You just did. <laughs> He said, no, I didn't. I said, yeah, you did. Because John says that if we have no sin, that we're calling God a liar. If we say that we have no sin, we're calling God a liar. Because all of us have sinned to come short of the glory of God. But if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father that we can pray and say, God, forgive me. Jesus, forgive me. But he argued the point where we know I haven't. I haven't sinned in 18 years since I got saved. Well, he had part of it right, but he had it terribly confused. But because before God, he was perfect. But before me, he wasn't. Relatively speaking, he wasn't. So I work with him every day, close. I caught him still on something. Me being the kind of guy I am pointed it out. And I said, uh, do, do you remember telling me that you hadn't sinned in 18 years? Well, your record is broke. It's, it's, it's over. He said, what do you mean? And I took him to the place where he hid what he had taken. And I said, what do you call this? I was a Holy Ghost there for a little bit. Point down is wrong. Some of you all get that. Uh, but I said, this, my friend, is sin. So you're going to have to start all over. None of us, relatively speaking, are perfect. But isn't it great that you and I have a Savior that we can go to on a minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year basis, and say, God, forgive me. And then I become more like Christ. You see, I start out over here, relatively speaking. Sin, save of grace. Just getting started. And every time I go, every time I come, every time I say, God, forgive me, I'm growing, taking another step toward maturity. Taking another step, taking another step toward relative perfection.
taking another step toward being more and more like Jesus Christ. Some of us have quit. We've gotten satisfied and we've stopped. And we've said, I'm okay. I'm safe. I'm going to heaven. But we need to keep going in the way of what Paul would say that I've not attained, I've not got there yet, I've not reached the spiritual maturity that I wanted to reach. But one day I will. That I might know Him, the power that He has available to me and you and all of us to reach the kind of perfection that we want to reach.